0: This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys.
1: This podcast is sponsored by The Forward. Stay up to date with unlimited access to news, culture, and opinion all through a Jewish lens. And for our listeners, for 2NJB listeners, get six months of The Forward for only $10. That's 67% off. An exclusive subscription offer for our listeners, forward.com slash 2NJB, and get six months for ten bucks. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. And last but not least, in collaboration with Australian Jewish News, check them out at AJN.TimesOfIsrael.com. Back in November 2019 when the world was still relatively normal place and our biggest concern was which ice cream tastes we should get on our midnight munch Walt delivery. Yes, Walt delivers ice cream in Tel Aviv. Anyway, last year we had the distinct pleasure of having Joram Scheftel on our podcast. Sheftel was one of the central characters, and what a character, of Netflix's hit documentary series, The Devil Next Door, which depicted the incredible story of John Ivan Demyanyuk. Demyanyuk was a Ukrainian-American who was charged back in 1989 in Israel of being Ivan the Terrible, a sadist and cruel guard of Sobibol camp during the Holocaust. The show was a phenomenal success and was one of the pioneering Israeli TV documentary shows to be showcased on Netflix. If you haven't heard our episode with Shefto, then once you're done with this one, go check it out. It's a must, episode 167. Today, we're joined by Yossi Bloch. Yossi is one of the busiest and most successful documentary filmmakers working in Israel currently. He co-created The Devil Next Door with Daniel Sivan, and coincidentally, he's a fan of our show. So, without further ado, Yossi Bloch, thank you so much for joining us. How Hello. are you? Thank you for having me. Hi. So, um, how the hell did you get to Demianyuk and uh, Um,
2: I was always interested in that, and... and... There's a few reasons. my um, second generation, my mom grew up in uh, Warsaw Ghetto and when the the when the Myannick was extradited, I just came back from six months as a exchange student in Montana of all places. and we went through Cleveland on the way back. And I remembered a really nice town with like so mellow and green and beautiful and just on the lake. And then they said, uh, I think it was six, seven months later, they said, "Okay, they found the biggest Nazi ever living in Cleveland. And I was going like, why would he live in Cleveland? You know, (laughs) why would you look for a Nazi in Cleveland? What's wrong with you? You know, go look in Berlin. The question is the answer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then when the the thing started, I kept on looking like I was I was engulfed by it. I when I went to the States to edit the the show, my brother, I have a younger brother. I was 86. I was 18, almost 18 when when he was extradited. And um, I went to the trial and um, I saw it on television all the time. And then my brother is six months, six years younger than me. And um, when I went, I went to see him, he said, uh, I told him I'm going to like when we were just negotiating, I told him I'm negotiating a series about the Mianuk And he was like, oh, man, that's that's the worst thing ever. I was 12 years old, coming back home from school every day. And you had these horrible stories on the television and you wouldn't shut it down all day long. <laughs>
1: instead yeah, but, of cartoons you got just like yeah. holocaust survivors talking about yeah. horrific things yeah yeah that sucks
2: and <laughs> and what really interested me was sheftel standing up and saying this is who i am this is my truth and i'm not going to let you diminish it i'm not going to let you uh, below it i'm going to go with my truth and fight it over and because I was just like him, I was always an outsider and I was everything I said people used to say, why do you say that? It intrigued me to see this person saying, I'm, it's not that I'm not afraid to say it in, in a, I was, I grew up in a thousand people town. I'm not afraid to say it on live television in the only broadcast channel in Israel. I'm going to say it to the judges and you got to understand. Sheftel, just like me, we grew up in um, um, in a very revisionist um, um, house.
0: Right wing, right classic wing, classic right wing, Israeli yeah. Jewish.
2: Shamgar and uh, and uh, these guys are <laughs> God, they
0: were they,
2: <laughs> they were our heroes. Shamgar ah, okay. was was like he he was uh, in the jail. Judge. He's the, the judge, the judge, yeah, he was in in jail because he was Etzel. Yeah, you know. The, to stand up in front of someone like that and tell him that what he says is bullshit is you need some character so i was always intrigued by it and and it kept staying something that is not closed Mm -hmm. the other reason that i found it really intriguing is because the thing about the holocaust is that everything is black and white you know it's like there's good and bad there's no mid-tones in the holocaust there's no good Nazis, not in the Holocaust, there was, after the war <laughs> they, they rehabilitated themselves, but it's, it's black and white and um, with the Mjaniuk there was a fight over the narrative all the time. There was, I, I think people um, misplace their words when they say that it's a fight over facts, it's not a fight over facts, it's a fight over narrative, because facts is something that is known. You know, you know, the guy was here, the guy was there, he did this, he did that. That's it. But there was a. Um, the fight is over the narrative and you see it every day now with everything from. You know, like the, the, the political
1: campaigns, snacks, <laughs> <laughs> not forever. necessarily in that order. Yeah, no, really, everything is, it's about it's about getting the story.
2: It's about getting the story and, and you saw it just now with the, the footballers and, uh, and the girls and I'm I'm a fan here in Israel. You, you yeah. got to
0: explain it here okay. in Israel. You had football, soccer yeah. uh, players who were accused of sleeping with underage uh, girls
2: and, and people blame the victims, the girls, mm-hmm. the girls. And it's like it's it's not a, it's not just the fact it's the narrative. Oh, we're so just. We're so right. We didn't mean, we didn't think, we didn't
0: No, they say we didn't know. We didn't
2: know. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a it's a fight over the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who's not interested in the narrative at all. I mean, I'm coming from a, a school that that allows all narratives to be postmodernism. All narratives can live together. They can be right and they can be right and it's fine by me. I'm I, I really don't care especially not as uh, in my public um persona as a director i i do not judge people and i do not put one narrative over the other but i have facts do interest you facts interesting interests me the most because what happens when you have a fight over the narrative is that people are um are changing the facts and they're playing with the facts I remember when it just started and I was coming to Daniel every week and saying look there's a great story another story and this side says that the facts is like this and this side says the facts is like this and then we got to the going to Russia And they were fighting, I brought the material, I brought the material. And they they were, uh, he said this and he said that. And then one day I remember I was talking to one of the sides and he was going, yeah, it was in the middle of the winter. And and we went there and there was no heating and I was freezing cold. Then I talked to the other side and he says, yeah, I remember it was July. It was very, very hot this day. I was going like, wow, you're even, you disagree on the fact, was it sunny or or snowy? That's that's the. the, Did you find out who was lying? I never look for it. I mean, my job is to bring you the story and to allow both sides to try to be convincing. And. I pretend to say that you can decide which side is uh, is just, but um, I I assume that my um, my narrative or my uh, my agenda does get in the movie, but it does not cloud the movie. I do not bring one side and and withhold the other side.
1: Yeah. So how do you do that? Because as you said, like narratives, it's all about narratives and colliding narratives, but in the end, you're the guy who's crafting the overarching narrative. Right.
0: You're you're making this you're telling the story. So no. making choices that affect what we know and what we eventually want so how no. do you
1: yeah how do you
2: well there's a, a few ways to answer this question my photographer said that it was amazing because when we would go to Sheftel I would believe everything he would say when we would go to Nishnik I would believe everything he would say you would be the worst judge <laughs> yeah me. <it, it>, I, <laughs> I had a 6 hours conversation with judge Tal that we talked about a lot of things. And one of the things was how how can you send someone as a Jew? Because the other side of the, the, the answer is that it's really easy when you're Jewish because I don't need to judge. God is judging. I just need to bring the facts, you know?
1: Worst case, I make a mistake, sentence him to death. He goes up to heaven and... Uh, as a lifetime I, next I to God, I don't send
2: him to death. I I do not judge. That's the thing no, about yeah, being a judge. Yeah, I'm Jewish.
1: saying if you're a judge, that's the thing. I was
2: sitting with Tal and I was trying to understand how could he do that, and you can see it in the movie. I think um, that he says that it, it was the worst day. He didn't eat. He was fasting all all day long on that day, and he said it was the worst day of his life.
1: This is one of the Supreme Court justices. Yeah,
2: Judge Tal. Um, <laughs> And we, so, sorry, I lost my, uh, yeah. so, <laughs>
0: so,
1: so how do you keep yourself out of the narrative? I mean, you believe, you said you go, you talk to these people, you believe mm. e- every side, but in the end, I mean, you, you do end up, you know, conveying one side probably better than the other.
2: No, I don't think so. Because first of all, you got to understand that while most or or a big part of making the movie is collecting the the stories the material and while you do that I totally believe the side I'm I'm with at that point I do not lie I try not to lie or I don't lie too much to them the the Nishnik family knew all the time that I will bring the other side Sheftel knew that I will bring the other side I never said look I'm just bringing your story and that's it but I was going with their story and I truly believed their story. And when I'm with the other side, I truly believe their story and I truly believe their side. And then at the, when you make the movie or when you edit the movie, there's, there's so many people inside. You have the producers and the editors and the editors assist and, and my wife and Daniel's wife and the 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 commissioner like the Netflix people and everyone is uh, and we had on this movie we had uh, the Visental people foundation Foundation were involved daily I was talking to Avi Weiss rabbi Avi Weiss more than once I was talking to Lawrence Douglas all the time Uh, historians uh, Tzvi Bendo Bonit he's not in the movie but he was the soundman in the uh, in in the in the trial mm-hmm. and he's uh, head of NYU head of uh, history in NYU department and I heard all these people and and they all had a saying about this thing but we all tried all the time we're talking about being trying to be as as little judgmental as we can so if you look at the movie the the part where Sheftel speaks no one denies what he speaks we never took out his we we didn't ridicule him or we, we gave him the stage and when the other side speaks we gave them the stage and you as an audience i i truly believe that the audience is smart enough um to to decide what's right and what's wrong. And you don't need to be an historian and you don't need to be. um, You don't need to be a judge. Mm -hmm. I I looked at Twitter. And there were 15 year old kids in in all over the world that were writing things that I was like, wow, man, I never thought that
0: theories
2: and theories and and just the craziest
0: theory you read.
2: Well, <laughs> the craziest thing that happened was there was this guy uh, in the University of Mumbai Bombay, Bombay that uh, put tweeted that uh, it's terrible what um, Sheftel did to the survivors and then this guy from Pakistan answers him and they're like nineteen to twenty one year old the guy from Pakistan answers him um. You completely misunderstood the story. The, the story is that the Israeli prosecution team, uh, what the Israeli prosecution team did to the Mianuk, and they start arguing, and there's like, 50 on this side and 50 on that side, and they're having a fight in Twitter. And I'm going like,
1: "Whoa, man! It's like, it's, <laughs> why would you be interested in this?" You almost broke out the next uh, Indian-Pakistan <laughs> war over. No, Devon, that's Young. the
2: thing. They were so friendly and so nice about it, and they were speaking. That's what I like about the newer generation. They do not go and, and shoot each other and do things my generation did. They were so polite about the argument and they said really tough things. I mean, you're talking about Treblinka, and and it's not, I mean, it, it, and, and the person, you know, Demianyuk was a living person that if you're his fan, you're thinking about what happened to him. And it's, it's devastating. It's an atrocity, like uh, Mm Sheftel said. Yeah, that was really, really and, interesting.
0: But when you start this project, wouldn't you have a goal, like a dream goal of revealing this kind of a piece of evidence that would Completely uncloud it, yeah. yeah, everything and...
2: So I will lie and say, no, I was <laughs> like, I just wanted the story to unfold. It's in not front Jewish of of my you eyes. to lie. It's very un-Jewish. Everyone who touches this story, why, why this story is so uh, intriguing, because the 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 layer you see, just looking for two minutes, Google it and you see a layer that is intriguing, but you understand that you haven't revealed all the facts and then you start going in. The, the obvious aspect is going into Schefter's, uh book and you read the, the book and you understand that, wow, there are so many facts here but hey, let's look, maybe there's a few more facts. And then you go to Beta Riella and you take all the newspapers, seven years of newspapers again and again and again, and wow, there are so many facts. And then I go to Michael Shaked, the prosecutor, and he goes, yeah, I have this thing here, this box full of stuff, you wanna take it? Yeah, I will look into it, why not? And there are so many more facts there. And then you go to Schefter, whoa, look at the facts I found with... And he goes, oh yeah, I got a a 2,000 pages uh, summary. Okay, he's got 2,000 pages summary. And you take that and you read that and, and the thing is that you keep looking at more and more and more facts because you're sure that at a certain point you will find the truth. You will find the absolute proof he was in treblinka or he was never there it was someone else and and it keeps eludes you all the time it keeps you keep saying wow i just need one i remember saying to daniel and my wife i need another week or two maybe i'll go to russia and open the the files and then mickey sheket tells me no here the files are here all the files from russia are here sit and read them and you sit and read them and you're sure that I'll find another story and another story and it keeps on nothing <laughs> you never find it but every one of us and, and me Tom Teichholz, Lawrence Douglas uh, I think even Rashke, is is living with this dream of finding this golden evidence that will put him in Treblinka, not as Ivan the Terrible. By the way, I have a, a story that is kind of a scoop, if you want, that puts him in Treblinka. Uh, I can tell it
0: to you later Okay, on. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but To follow up, remember to ask him about the scoop, but to follow up on that. Okay. Demianuk was trialed um, because of a law that was legislated, I think, in 49 or something like that. Fifty, um, the law of persecution against Nazis and their aides, and that law is is it's a law, a unique law internationally. It's one of the only laws uh, in the world to have no uh, territory, and it's timeless. And you can send someone uh, to death based on nothing but uh, testimony. Um, so. The question is, how can you um, judge someone and at all today according to testimonies uh, or back then the whole the whole trials based the whole the <clears throat> whole persecution of Nazis and and their aides uh, based on mainly on witnesses as you say people remember different things we I remi- you reminded me of Waltz with Bashir where he talks about how. Memory is like you, it's f- fluid. Um, do you purposely walk into the field? Mind or <laughs> <laughs> that's uh,
2: okay. First of all, the law. Um, I don't, I, I never read the law now that I think of it, but I have enough. I read hours, all those documents and <laughs> I never read the law. Um, I, I know. Um, like chapter 15 to it, I know by heart, because it was in the trial. But um, I, t- I talked to the prosecution enough. At least the Israeli prosecution has never based anything on just uh, eyewitnesses. It's always with followed by documents. The problem with the Mianuk was that the, the documents put him in Sobibor, while the pe- everyone said he was in Treblinka. And as for the law, I think, and I think I understood it after talking to Eli Rosenbaum. I asked Eli Rosenbaum um, at a certain point, was it was it that um, emotional for you because you're Jewish? Who, just for Eli her- Rosenbaum is the person who led the OSI, the the unit in the DOJ in the states that caught uh, Nazis. They I think they had uh investigations against 700 Nazis or something like that and in, that infiltrated um they were they would do more if they could uh, if they would have evidence um
0: so you asked him
2: I asked him because he was very emotional on this case and on all cases and he was very emotional when he speaks to when he speaks about the survivors and I asked him um Are you emotional? Were you emotional because you're Jewish? And he said, you know, I I used to think that. And then after this whole thing finished and I do what I do today, I can tell you that taking someone to trial for raping a 12-year-old Colombian girl is exactly like taking someone to trial for raping a 12-year-old Jewish girl. And I can tell you about this law. If someone decides tomorrow in France or in Zimbabwe, to take to trial all the people that are doing atrocities in Syria, in Homs. And I'm sure there is, I mean, we don't talk about it, but in the middle of Corona, 800,000 people, which means at least 400,000 kids left homes by foot to Turkey because they were afraid for their lives. Never,
0: didn't hear about it even.
2: Nobody hears about it. If someone takes the people who did that to trial, I'm with them. And I'll give them jurisdi- jurisdiction, even if they do it in, in on the Caribbean's. You know, it's fair enough. If someone is doing such an atrocity against people. But vengeance
1: and justice is not is, always the same. But the question is, is it that person? Right, because this was a question of identity. That's a, that's a different thing. This was a question of identity. right? Yes.
2: But he was asking about the law, about taking yeah. these people to trial. I think that, OK. For me, you, you're talking about uh, eyewitnesses and, and and it relates to the the Indians and the Pakistanians. Because I was asking why why are there what's their interest? And I was talking to Tzvi Ben Banit and he told me something that I never thought of. <clears throat> the Holocaust is the um, is the foundation of liberal modern uh western society this this is what what like this is um the core the core we say in hebrew catalyst this is sort of the catalyst for everything i mean no one through history ever said no you shouldn't kill civilians during war it all started because of that because of the way it was done because of the gravity of that this is why someone in iran that has nothing to do with israelis or jews denies the holocaust when he becomes the president because he wants to attack capitalism and liberalism and modernism as a whole and what's the best way to do it just go and say oh your founding incident did not happen it's a lie so why would you be so liberal and it's not Hillary or Trump Trump is as liberal when it comes to this Trump is more liberal than Rafsanjani. you know he's when you put him with Rafsanjani, Trump is a liberal just like Hillary and and all these guys so when you look <clears throat> at at this story of the boogeyman of the Holocaust, the guy, think of it, they had nicknames for everyone. There was the, uh, the doll, that's um, um, the head of the camp, a guy who was convicted for killing with his hand 173 people. He was called the doll, the puppet. There was the Americaner, there was the the postman. There was they had nicknames for everyone. Was they? The, the the survivors because they didn't know their names. So they had nicknames to the, for all of them. And he's the only one who gets the nickname Ivan the Terrible. That's the boogeyman of the Holocaust. That's the that's the worst person ever lived on Earth. Okay. Of course, you want to take him to trial. <laughs> Of
0: no, yeah, of course, but the the question is how can you bring justice when you're when the facts are so far away and all you have basically is is witnesses. It's 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 very hard. It's
2: not him, yeah. And and they had a proof he was in Sobibor. And the prosecution went with it, and they they say they proved it in the the Supreme Court decision. They say he was a vachman, he was in Sobibor, but he wasn't Ivan the Terrible. We know he wasn't Ivan the Terrible because someone else was Ivan the Terrible. I'm I'm not rooting for this trial and i think um and I, I will not judge this trial and i do not know if 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 it, if it i would need to take the decision if i would take if i would say yeah bring him on but um and i do not know if they should have seen it before because what happened was that when the survivors came to the states and they um they um give their testimony in front of Judge Battisti, their testimony was so strong that he said, I've had enough. This guy's going to Israel. And he sent him over Treblinka, over Ivan the Terrible, which we end up finding that he wasn't. So, I do not have a, 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 a judgment about this trial, but when you talk about Ivan the Terrible, even the Mianic would tell you if you find Ivan the Terrible, he would kill him himself with his own bare hands, <laughs> and I don't think he was.
1: Uh, so, hmm. so uh, first of all, you said you had a scoop. <laughs> you said you said that it puts the Mianic in Treblinka.
2: Well, everyone is trying to um, to put him in Treblinka because what happens is this: nine guys are saying, "Yes, we know him. We saw him. He was in Treblinka." We assume it was a, um, a lapse of memory, and they influenced each other. But something is really hard for you as an historian to understand, because they all went for the same picture. Now, Schefter is saying that it was a bigger picture, and he was the only bold person there. And I took the, the picture slate. And I did... I I, used to, I really loved it. I used to show it to people and say, show me who killed Arlozorov. Show me who killed Kennedy. And they will all go to the Mianuk. You know? It, it, it's true what Shefter says, that it's easier for you to go to this person first. But...
1: How come? Because,
0: oh, because the, picture the picture is bigger. Uh,
2: okay. The picture is bigger and, and... It was misleading. Yeah, the picture is misleading. But... To have all of them look at the same picture and point to the same picture is really, really weird. And what everyone is trying to prove on not Demianuk's part is that he was there on a different facility, you know. And then they remembered him from there, but they misplaced him as Ivan the Terrible because his name is Ivan.
1: Mm.
0: So he's saying he wasn't Ivan the Terrible, but he was a guard uh- and Treblinka. And Yeah.
2: And um, we know he wasn't Ivan the Terrible because Ivan the Terrible was Ivan Marchenko.
0: Or was he? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, we know that, you know, there's... Uh, there's... I read the files. It's... Um, it's true that they didn't all identify him as... Uh, uh, as in the same manner, but. His second in place said he was he was like the the guy Shelaev who was with him, identified him from a picture and said he was Ivan the Terrible.
0: But the picture, the famous picture of the bold guy, um, that was Demianyuk or no, that was the picture that we see. Yes. Yeah. But he's not bolder.
2: Just look, his his, hair is cut.
0: But that is because there was a thing I I watched the the movie a year ago. So at the beginning,
2: he said it wasn't his picture. Some say,
0: yeah, that they glued it on different files. They played with the photo. Yeah. But the photo is of Ivan the Terrible, right? Yeah. And it does look. No, the photo is
2: Ivan Demianiu.
0: Demianiu. But it doesn't
2: say this photo was not um, on a document of Ivan the Terrible, the, the photo it wasn't. Was, no, the photo was on a document that puts the Mjaniuk in Sobibor and Maidanek, mm-hmm. And what he claims is that it was uh, his nephew. Or later on, they claimed it was his nephew. Um, so we know
1: there's, yeah. there's so many details that like you're mentioning, for example, that they claim it was his nephew. I don't think that was in the series. No, and there's so many details and so many facts, like you said the 2000 page summary and a box full of documents and this and that and a book. And you obviously can't put them all into the documentary and, and the ones that, I mean, you know, everybody knows that the stories you tell, right. It's not just about whether the stories in the news are accurate, but it's which stories are in the news. So it's like, which facts do you tell tells a different story? Definitely. So how did you go about picking and saying, okay, this is important and this is not important.
2: And we did leave, important stuff out um because it wasn't emotional it wasn't cinematography
1: cinematic cinematic
2: yeah. uh, we did leave we, we left um, elizabeth loftus which if you read her she has uh she's the most important memory researcher probably in the world today and she's uh she's the one who convinced the um, the judge to sorry, convinced the jury um, to let Ted Bundy off. And then the judge wouldn't. The judge dis, um, dismissed her dismissed, testimony. No, dismissed the trial. Ah. The first trial of uh, Ted Bundy, he was released. The one in uh, Seattle. He wow. was uh, yeah, he was uh, he wasn't convicted. And the judge um, um, threw it away and then he ran away and did all the killing and stuff like that, but uh, so why
0: did you leave that out?
2: Because it the the interview wasn't emotional and it didn't work on on a cinematic level. It just we tried to put it in all like the three first episodes. We tried to put it. We tried to integrate it. It just didn't work. And that's the thing. There's so many people working on a movie, and it's not at at that point, especially when it's a Hollywood. It's not your movie. Oh, I have to. I must have Elizabeth Loftus in. Look, guys, we must have Elizabeth Loftus in and they put it in and it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't look good.
0: Sheftel is a pretty hated man in Israel originally because of that uh, whole story. But today he's a very avid uh, right wing radio host who says lots of things that piss piss off lots of people so i wonder if that was a challenge for you
2: <laughs> so I'll, I'll have a the disclaimer is i think you know the Chefta is a friend of mine and he's a good friend of mine and when this thing came out there was uh before people knew what's in it there was a lot of hatred uh towards me And he was one of the only people that were there backing me and and holding me. And I really love him. I truly, truly love him. What he did for my series is amazing. So that's another. But I'll tell you first. Also, you made him an international star. Okay. So if you listen to what Shaftel says and not on my series, listen to what, except the sentence that everyone hates. Um, Some were senile, some were liars. If you listen to what he says on the radio, where he speaks terribly, but just take it, write down his arguments, and you see that he's, he's not...
0: No, oh, it's cohesive arguments. You're and, saying it's the
1: pathos with which he says yeah, it? Yeah,
2: he says it in a way that will make you hate him, because <laughs> when he's hated, a lot of people listen to him. When someone like me hates him, or someone like my uh, my people... <laughs> hates him someone from the left wing hates him the right wing people automatically love him and he knows that and he uses that but um, and he loves it the, the, to his benefit you know Ayal megad is one of his friends told me that he would speak like that on fourth grade there was a communist <laughs> girl like her father was communist they were on fourth grade and he would tell her um, the commun communist I don't remember. Fascist communist, communists. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing about Sheftel. And and I can tell you that when one of the biggest problems here was that no one would want to have Sheftel as the um as the main character of the series. And I knew from the beginning that this he's he's the the person to lead it. He's he's my character, and um, even today I think I told you this story. But in Yad Vashem I give a lecture and people stand up and say, "But how did you give stage to this person?" And I, I at a certain point I got up and I said, "Forget about the fact that he's my friend." Didn't you learn from the the, the series? That you cannot judge if you don't have all the, the material. You do not know who Sheftal is. He's, he, he doesn't allow people to talk about it. And I know it only of second hand. But the amount of help he gives to people that in need, And it's not just money. It's money and time and effort and emotion. He used to call me every morning. I used to get a phone call from uh, Tal, his secretary, and she would talk to me. When this thing just, I was really, I, I was really nervous when when it was about to come out, and there were talks. Oh, you villainified the um, the Israeli prosecution. and he sold Israel for uh, to Netflix for a bunch of money and things like that, and. And, and, and I, was, I, was, I was scared at a certain point. Every morning I used to get a phone call from his secretary. She would talk to me, see how I am. I oh, Yohan wants to talk to you. And he would talk to me. And at a certain point he told me, okay, bring out all the comments, everything they're writing about you, everything. Now read them, read them, read them, read them. And then he said, now stop. Is there any fact in it? And there was none. And that's the point where I said okay, I'm 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 okay with it. So judging Sheftel when you don't know him, come on.
0: (laughs) But did that hurt the production? No,
2: on the contrary, the fact that people hate store. um, (laughs) we had to to edit in the States. We, we I don't think we could have done the the series in this way where he's the star if we would have done it in Israel but um,
1: well you would have think you think you would have had trouble finding editors like people yeah, who would agree
2: yeah they wouldn't go with me really
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. not, not any good ones you could get maybe some uh... No. a student second year even, film even student a, even, no even a film Probably student not. in Israel yeah. Yeah, yeah wouldn't
0: dare to do it because then they would expel him from film school as we both <laughs> know we're both studied Film in Tel Aviv University. It's and suffered.
2: It, uh, it, it's it's. Um, you know what? I wish this would be the problem. I think the problem is that this sentence. How can you give a state to someone like that? I'm I'm. I admit I'm I'm problematic, but I come from the school of uh, Brandes and Holmes, the the judges in the states. Brandes, which is the street in Tel Aviv, and everyone goes to the street and there's uh, the Ramat Shofet is on his name he explained 70 pages in albums against the uh, state of New York he explains why it's important to hear everyone and to give stage to everyone and one of the main reason i think one of the the, the prettiest reason that he gives is that if someone speaks uh, Bullshit. If someone t- says something that is really, really problematic, you will hear him and you will say, come on, this is not a valid argument. You don't want him to, to say it quietly at the back room of, of, of some, you know, to, to Wilkes Booth. Because you bull- never
0: know what he thinks.
2: No, because you don't know what he will do. He could be Wilkes Booth and he will go and kill Lincoln or he could be whoever killed Kennedy because they wouldn't let him speak. And it, when you hear these guys and, and they talk, you can tell them, hey, guys, you went too far. You know, th- mm-hmm. this is something that you shouldn't say. And, and
0: not, not letting... We just had this discussion with our previous guest. Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. e- Eitan, you said that...
1: Yeah, no, I said that, uh, I mean, one of her claims, it was uh, around the protests in Jerusalem, and one of her claims was that, you know, we are a safe space and uh, we will accept any message so long as it does not contain. And, you know, that's a great start. (laughs) Racism, uh, incitement, also the whole incitement thing is just like, because now everything's inciting violence. If you say you don't... uh, you know, like re- you, yeah. if you if you say you don't agree with illegal immigration, it's like, well, if someone murders an immigrant tomorrow, it's your fault. So, yeah, I so, yeah, said to...
0: that's
1: just repeat the quote. You I said like remember.
0: that, that you got to you have to let race.
1: Ah, Yeah, because no, she said that uh, she, we said we'll uh, we'll make a. Uh, uh, you know, you have to be able to, to accept also racism. It has to be more radical. And she said no. And then, That's a red line. Never. That's a red line. And then I said, well, what if we say this? And then she said, well, we'll explain that it's... But you'll never have the opportunity to explain, as you just mentioned, if you don't allow the other person to talk. Even if they say despicable things, you know, even if you say
0: hateful things about Jews or blacks or whatever, you have to be able to say it. To yeah. me, the scariest part, I always say that about Germans... Um, that the scariest thing um, is that I will never know what the nice guy in front of me actually thinks. Yeah. Because he's too scared to say yeah. whatever. That's so easy, just
2: get a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, and you so they know say. Exactly <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's, yeah, the, that's the problem
0: with PC culture in countries like Germany that entire populations think very bad things, but you will never know about it. No. So and that leads to catastrophe, I, in, but I think it
2: happens here as well, because the the you can either like when one side calls the other side fascist, it's exactly the same. And the other side does not speak anymore. He starts barking. And when the, the other side calls the other the, this side traitors, it's exactly the same when someone calls me a traitor just because you know, I, I voted for uh, someone who's today in, in Parliament with Bibi. <laughs> or when, you know, like, at a certain point, I figured out that no one is uh, is eligible for having my vote. And the only one I thought that was, uh, like, it was a few years back, that um, seemed correct for me was Ayman Uda. And I voted for him. And I had friends talking so much trash at me. How can you vote for an Arab? But I think he should be in. It, I remember what he said that no matter what happens, when they get to parliament, they're only going to take care of to, gov-
0: to government or to no, no, no,
2: to parliament. They're only going to take the um, the committee. ...that uh, is in charge of uh, roads and, and stuff like that. Infrastructure. Infrastructure, to help their people. And then I said, wow, someone like that, I want to give him my vote. I talked to my father, which was uh, a member of Likud. He was uh, like, Arik <laughs> Sharon. And he said, wow, that, that's really beautiful to do. You know, if that's your belief, go on with that. Obviously, he voted Bibi on the same elections because he he thought... Or even I think he voted Lieberman, or you know he he thought that it's like Holmes said. I think what you're saying is atrocious, but I will die for to allow you saying that.
0: So yeah. you said two people, Brandeis and
2: Holmes, and Holmes. Okay. Yeah, they they wrote uh, immediate uh, danger, uh, the part in Abrams, which then later on became the the biggest um, like the
0: the main issue of. Uh, of speech rights and, and stuff like that in the mm. States. So what's your biggest regret with that m- documentary series? Wow. Demianuk? Uh No, I don't think. Uh, no regrets.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I'm not a nostalgic
0: <laughs> person. <laughs> I see. So you're already working on the next uh, yeah, big and, thing. And, yeah. Is Netflix involved? No, not yet. Okay. J- j- but you started. have an open channel with Netflix.
2: I don't know. I'm not... Um, I don't know.
1: Are You're you <laughs> not on the business side of things? Like, do you yeah. have someone who takes care of that for you?
2: Normally, and, and even if I do, it's... I'm not interested. It's,
0: so I'll rephrase the question. It helps that you have a movie on Netflix. Yeah. Helps yeah. a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. That it's just... Yeah. Ge- like, it generally helps in life. life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah. have a movie on Netflix. Yeah. It's a good thing to have. Yeah. How did you get that? Like, how... Did, how did you get them involved?
1: Netflix? Yeah. yeah
0: how did that happen?
2: Um, my producer, Daniel Sivan, was pushing into it. And um, to be honest, what happened? We we needed we had quite a, quite nice funding here in Israel. And then we needed some more money. And then uh, <clears throat> we went into uh, we tried to raise money from Europe. And uh, we talked to Arte. <laughs> Arte uh, is the
0: main channel in France, guys. And Germany. And Germany.
2: <laughs> and uh, one of the guys there, we were talking and, uh, and we were just talking about the story. Because I sell the story. And and the thing about the Mianic is you have so many narratives. And one of the, the most interesting narratives that came up in that was that... It was very convenient to many, many people all around the world, and especially in Germany, to have, to be able to catch the boogeyman of the Holocaust. And he's an Ukrainian, you know. 870,000 people died in Treblinka. There were Germans there, but in our, in our movie, it's uh, Ukrainian. And it was very convenient for the, the Germans. And the guy from Arte, which was German, said, no, 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 this cannot be inside the movie. And we didn't even talk about it. Because and, he
0: didn't want it to look like it's nice for the Germans to have a Ukrainian as the main villain. Yeah. Oh, my God. that's a, mm, <laughs> My mind is a bagel yeah. right now.
2: And when we went home and they said, Jesus. yeah, sure, you can, you, we give you the money. We needed uh, $70,000. They, they offered us, I think, 150 or 200,000 euros. And we were going home and I was going to Daniel. Wow, we got the money. That's it. We can do the, we can finish the project. But? He was, no, he looked at me and he said, no way. There is no way I'm going to let you.
0: So, what was their condition? What did they want to cut you? that narrative?
2: No, out? he said... I saw the way you reacted when he said this narrative cannot be in the movie. I'm not going to go through it when, when the movie is finished and you want this story in, and he doesn't want this story in, and I'm going to have to fight between you guys. I don't care about this money. We will lose money over it, but we will never, never. <laughs> so we had to go to the States. No, and um, the cameras. All okay. Good. We had to go to the States and then that's how it started. So it's
0: good. Things ended up well. Yeah. But but the day you got that call from Netflix. Wow,
2: <laughs> uh, I'll take the fifth. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I'll take the fifth. There was a lot of whiskey and beer in it
0: yeah. <laughs> and nice.
1: other materials. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Eric, cool. you, are you subscribed to Netflix? Yeah, of course. Is it free? <laughs> No, you get like a free subscription. No, there's oh,
2: one of the best. I can't remember her name. It, like the first woman who um, like, did a hit um, show on Netflix. It's yeah. not a show. It's a, a stand-up comedian. I can't remember her name. And she she has like 15 minutes where she talks about how her husband gives her grief about why do we need to pay for them? <laughs> you, you made so much money for these guys. What?
0: And uh, now you never. How know. many people watch the movie on Netflix? Uh, we're not allowed you, to you're say, not allowed.
2: but it's, it's a lot of people. How many
0: countries can you tell? Like,
2: it's all over the world. It's hundred and forty nine countries. I think twenty nine languages. Um, wow,
1: that's good. 29 languages like uh, sub, uh, subtitled. Yeah, that's
0: amazing. Yeah, the power. And the thing is about Netflix, it's like just like podcasts, even in three years, people in new countries that Netflix is expanding and expanding, right? So maybe in Iran or wherever, People will be suggested with that. Yeah, movie, I, just, I just watched Jevis watched
1: In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood from <laughs> 1992 last night. I swear to God, it was amazing. <laughs> and so like, it's just like the, this movie will live for decades.
2: I tell you what was really amazing for me. And that's the part where I was talking about where, where Sheftel was there for me. We wanted to do a campaign. And we were like, we're Israelis, we know everything best and we were hassling them and they said there's no campaigns on Netflix. And then we had What do you mean
0: by campaign just to explain the
2: like uh, newspapers and uh, go on uh, television, like um, news and stuff like that,
1: like a PR campaign,
2: a PR campaign. And they go, um, OK, listen, there's one hundred and fifty million subscribers to Netflix that was then each subscription is about three people that puts it into half a billion people are like you put the movie on a server and 500 million people can watch it that's a you don't do a campaign you don't do a pr (laughs) how can you and b it's like you're overwhelmed with with the size of this thing when our series came up on, on Yes, our previous series. I think 40,000 people saw it or something <laughs> like that.
1: That was like a drop. Yeah, and, and it's like... It's a good exponential... Uh...
2: <laughs> it's amazing. Half a billion people can watch what amazing. you just said. And th- that's for someone who I told you. Everyone was... Every time I said something, everyone was going like, why do you say that? Why Why would you say such a thing? And then... You know all of a sudden so many people it the, the when they told us the amount of, of people who binged this this series
1: Ah, that's a great statistic. You can see how many people watch the series within like a two, three, four day span.:
2: I think that's uh, the the most binged documentary ever, or something like that like crazy. <sighs> that's yeah. awesome, yeah, a lot amazing. Of-
0: So before we go, just a bit, because you grew up, you told us before the recording, you grew up in Iran. Yeah. (laughs) You have memories. Uh, I mean, you were what, eight eight
2: years old? Do you speak Farsi? I used to. I don't speak anymore. I was there from one and a half years till I was almost eight. Um, My father was working for someone on the Israeli uh, intelligence there. Um, Nov said <laughs> um, there's the same guys I think that uh, did Pollard and, and all this um, it's known it, it was even on uh, NRG that he built uh, Natanz and stuff like that he did stuff for the just to explain
0: Natanz is the atomic uh, nuclear plant, nuclear plant <clears throat> in Iran that yeah. we helped apparently build No, no
2: no 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 he was sort of on his own building the, mm. the infrastructure there and i'd assume bringing the information you air the there
0: people can see <laughs> yeah
2: um but it it was it was supposed to be like a um, a constructor there but he would bring the israelis the i
1: see so he was kind of like uh i mean you don't have to you don't have to uh agree or disagree but he was, like an, yeah, he was like an, He was like an, like a informant, sort of. No, he, he wasn't he, actually it, it, it employed was... by the. Uh, he wasn't like a Mossad agent. He was an no. Iranian, Iranian civilian citizen. No, he was Israeli. Israeli. No, he was
2: Israeli. That we was had building relations. Building stuff in uh, Iran. We had relations okay, okay, there. Okay, 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 we okay. were living with him. He was working under, I think, a French. company. The lines between when... whose
0: who's working for the intelligence and who's not working at the time the lines were very vague like Milchen's story for example that like what was he producer (laughs) or Mossad agent or uh, who knows right
2: these guys were patriot they grew up uh, in the 40s where they were living here in Tel Aviv which was what 100,000 people small village um and they kept hearing the stories coming from Europe of what's happening to the Jews. Some of them lost families there and stuff like that. And they were hardcore patriotics. Him, Milchen, Topol, all these this, this group of people. Topol and, wasn't a Mossad agent? No, Topol was just his friend. <laughs> uh, but no, no, no. But when you look at Topol, when he's in the States, when he's working in Hollywood, he's, a, he's an Israeli patriot. I don't think yeah. he was ever uh, intelligence or anything like that. He did, I don't he know. did
0: uh, act in a James Bond movie. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Moonraker. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So what do you remember from? It, it was Tehran or... Tehran. It's, first of all, it's a very, very
2: pretty country. It's really beautiful. Um, people are so nice. So nice. It's it's unbelievable. Um, How weird. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: Because you think Iranian, you think someone that wants to kill me.
2: You know when you sit uh, when you go for a chai. If you go alone for a chai in the in the bazaar in the market in Tehran, the guy would bring would put two glasses on the on the table because no one should feel alone. You know, they're they're very, very good people. They're they're beautiful people. Yeah, I I, and it's it's a very educated and 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 smart um, society. You know, it's uh, it's very similar. I think it's a very Jewish Jewish, like you have to go study. You have to go study. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a village where your parents didn't know to read and write. Oh, you should go to university. I think all universities there are still free, even today.
1: Yeah. It's just that instead of being either a doctor or a lawyer, you can be a
0: doctor or a nuclear scientist <laughs> or, yeah. a or, yeah. a <laughs> yeah, or a hacker. Yeah, Actually, when you think you think about it, it's it's amazing that uh, this random country—it's not—they have the their knowledge in nuclear, but also in cyber, for example. They are very fierce adversaries to us, to, to America, to China, one of the best in the world. Like their minds, the minds they have there. Well, historically, they've been historically, you yeah. know, one of the greatest empires in the world. And that's like one of their main assets yeah. uh, in war. Yeah. And, and even if you
2: look, I mean, no one speaks about it. But if you look at the Germans build nuclear plants all over the world. They ran the nuclear plants in, in Japan and France till they, they shut them down. Only in Iran and Israel, they built the nuclear plant and left. Hmm. It's the only two countries where they didn't even need to, you know, Oh, six years teaching No, like six months. It's enough. Right. We, we've learned it. And that's one of the things my father told me that the, the to see how fast they caught what's going on there it was amazing it was it was frightening
0: wow wow! Yeah. and and so what's your most vivid memory from from iran yeah a story
2: uh the richness oh. we we were a few times it's a it's a vague memory because i was under five years old but uh we were in the inner rooms of uh of the shah palace wow,
0: uh, wow. Well,
2: yeah at a certain, certain time, My I was. My father had
0: connections.
2: Yeah, he was probably working for him,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, uh, and guarded by him because he. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember. I remember sitting in a in a in a room with uh, with his son, with uh, Muhammad Reza, uh, his younger son, the one that lives today in L.A. And I even had. I'm uh, oh, sorry. I even had uh, I got a necklace uh, like um, a coin from from that meeting. So and a few times I saw the rich, the, the, like when you see the rich of Iran, where you go into a palace where all the faucets are twenty-four carat gold and and bathroom. Yeah, and and that's like, that's it's, like it's like a Trump Tower, like the Trump Tower,
0: basically.
2: Yeah, it's like. Um, uh, i think i can't remember who said it it it's like how Marie and would live if you would be rich <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. that's crazy fascinating okay so guys the devil next door on netflix if by any chance you didn't watch it yet uh shame on you and go watch it asap uh, i
2: need to give you the scoop i didn't finish ah, okay. Uh, So one of the one of my closest uh, friends or interviewees was uh, Michelle Lassie, which Mm -hmm. was the reporter that that um, was with the family for the entire time here. She was very close to, I think, to Vera and to um, (coughs) and to the daughter. And she always told me to search for Gita Sereni, which wrote the story of Treblinka. And, um, the other thing that always interested me was, uh, one of the survivors, um, that when she gave the, her testimony in the States, it was said that this is the reason why Battisti was convinced, why the judge there was convinced. She gave the, um, Uh, Her testimony on the first trial and she wouldn't give a testimony here and I I asked people Everyone every interview I would finish with do you know why she didn't give the testimony here and um, I Heard a lot of stories that she was afraid what she would be asked and stories that will come out and stuff like that and then On the last time I've been to Cleveland, I asked Michelle to give me some uh, like uh, another small interview with a few sentences that I needed and some questions to ask. We finished the interview and um, I asked, so can you tell me why I don't say her name by I don't want to say her name. Can you tell me why she didn't testify in Israel? Do you know? And she said, uh, "Did you talk to Gita Serani?" And I said, "No, Gita is dead." And she said, "Did you talk to her?" I said, "No, she's dead." Did you talk to to like uh, Rosenberg? He's dead. Uh, Epstein dead. She said anyone alive? I said, "No, they're all dead. No one. The last survivor of Treblinka died six months ago." and she goes back she takes off her glasses and she goes like so I'll tell you a story when she gave the testimony the second t- time they gave the testimony she wouldn't testify here and michelle was standing with ah sorry <clears throat> one time in jerusalem um Gito serenis told a story that this woman told her about a Ukrainian soldier that fell in love with her. And he was trying to be with her all the time. And at a certain point, he came and kissed her in front of everyone. And he would come and kiss her every day at five o'clock in front of the Germans and everyone. And what he did when he came and kissed her, he would bring food from the, from uh, like- Kitchen. From the kitchen and he would pass it in the mouth to her and that's the reason why she survived and then she heard this story and she asked Gita to ask this woman who was the soldier and this woman got really annoyed and she said tell Michelle that it's not her business and she shouldn't stick her nose into other people's stories and she shouldn't know about this story at all and then I asked her, so why, 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 why did you ask? And she said, because when they were in the state, she asked the head of the Jewish community there, why doesn't this woman uh, give her testimony? And he said, I don't know, it's really weird. I asked her and she said that the Mianuk saved her life. Hmm. So maybe he was the guy who would kiss her, but that puts him in Treblinka. And that's the reason why they remembered it. I have no confirmation for this story. It's just gossip, but...
0: <laughs> gives you something to think about. It's a good wow. story. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else we can plug before we go?
1: No, I think that's...
0: cool. Look out for the next Yossi Bloch uh, documentary. Thank yeah. you and uh yeah before we go we collaborate with
1: israelnationalnews.com Ocheva, uh, check them out israelnationalnews.com
0: and last but not least ajn.timesofisrael.com that's the australian jewish news down in australia and finally we do this on our free time
1: guys so if you want to help us out go to 2njb.com slash donate thank you so much thanks see you really thank you. super interesting yeah so much
0: fun good luck Bye, guys. Bye.